grateful for his friendship and his leadership and his, his advice and also for his uh, anointed preaching. So I'm looking forward to hearing from you. So let me pray for you and then uh, hand over. Father, we thank you for this man of God. We thank you, Lord, for his desire not only to live with wisdom, but, Lord, to be live with your breath, with your spirit, with your voice active in his life. So, Father, I pray now in Jesus' name as we hear from you through him that, God, you would anoint his words, charge him up for the task ahead. Lord, I pray that he would just feel that authority and that guidance from you even as he speaks. We ask for these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. And, Glenn, thank you for trusting me. It is, uh, this is a privilege and a pleasure, and thank you for being here. It is my objective to help us connect with Jesus today. Because uh, I want to start right off at the top and say, uh, peace isn't the absence of conflict. It's the presence of the Prince of Peace in our life. So we're going to drill into that a, little bit, that a little bit. And I want to start by saying, Drew, thank you for going above and beyond. We had massive technical difficulties this morning. But let's give a hand to Drew, the guy at the back who makes it happen. Well done. Well done. So this is Peace in a Busy World. You'll see, I took this from my boat. I love boating. This is my little Chris Craft, a 1962 mahogany ski boat that I love to just get out on the lake and be alone with God. And the peace that that picture communicates for me is just something that uh, touches my heart. And we're going to drill into some practical elements of what it looks like for us to discover peace in the midst of busy lives. But I, I thought, you know, many of you may not know who I am, so I thought I'd just start a little bit and give you a picture of my family. So this is my wife, Anne, and on the far, your right, that's Benjamin. He's turning 25 this week. This week, Valentine's Day. He's our love child. And uh, on the far left is David. He just turned 26. David lives in Ottawa, and he works on Parliament Hill. He's the executive assistant for a conservative member of Parliament. And Benjamin is a nurse on the surgical ward at KGH. And this is what they used to look like. I know, it's like... <laughs> and Anne used to say to me, could we just give them a little injection and they stay this young forever? Um, no, I know, I know. Anne has never changed. She's, uh, yes, she's uh, amazing. So that's when they were little guys. And this, I got to do one more. This is my favorite pictures when they were little, little guys. Uh, that's Benjamin on the left and, and David on the right. So our lives are different now. And, and I want to show you, because I know there's many young families here this morning. We're not in that season in life. We're empty nesters now. And that's a different season and a different challenge, and it's, it's got its own unique stressors that we're learning to deal with. But we understand uh, in these sort of years, they are high-demand years, very high-demand years. So what I'm going to talk about this morning, I believe is relevant for any season in life that you're in. Any season you're in, whether it's empty nesters or whether it's retired or whether you were in the midst of what we call the taxi years, you know, when you are driving everywhere, taking your kids to this and that and everything, uh, or you've got infants or babies or whatever. 
So we want to get a hold of uh, God's heart for this. And I, uh, I want to start by giving you just a little glimpse into our world, what we've journeyed out of and what we're in now. And then I'm going to drill into what I believe are the three keys that enable and empower us to experience the peace of God in the midst of a busy world. And uh, Anne and I have been in uh, Kelowna now for 20 years, a little over 20 years. Actually, Anne and I met in high school over 40 years ago. Uh, we went to high school together. We were grad dates. We went to university together and got married. Uh, I'm getting emotional. I can't believe it. This was not part of the gig. We've been married for 34 years. And we've known each other for over 40 and it's been beautiful. We've known beauty and we've known brokenness in many ways. And I won't unpack our whole story. Uh, but we have journeyed through some very difficult times where things could have ended very differently. But the grace and power and presence of God has kept us and delivered us in so many ways. And years ago, uh, I, I was in a prayer meeting, and I, and I had a vision. I'd never had a vision ever before, and it was a picture of me wearing a big backpack. If you've ever done backcountry hiking, it was about a 55, 60-liter backpack, and it's filled with all the things I need for this journey. And I'm coming up the trail, and I come to a, a fork in the path, and one's going straight up the mountain, and the other one's going down somewhere. And at the fork of the path was Jesus. And he stood there and he had a climbing rope and a climbing axe. And he said, give me your backpack. All you need is this. And my first thought was, I, I can't give you my backpack. It's got everything I need for this trip. And then it ended. And it took me a while to understand, Lord, what are you saying in this? And what he was saying is, What's in your backpack is everything you think you need to accomplish to be a success in life. Because my goal, even though I love Jesus, was to be a success. And he was saying, really, what you need is me. And the climbing rope is the Word of God. And the climbing axe is the Holy Spirit. He said, give me all those things that you think you need to have to have the life that you want to have. And as I unpacked the backpack, it was things like, you know, a worthy work that makes a difference in the community, that generates good revenue, that enables us as a family to travel, that enables us to give away finances, to have a nice car and a nice house and a nice neighborhood, to be able to have a boat and all these sorts of things. And he was saying, you know what, you need to give me your hopes and dreams. Give me your expectations. What you really need is me and to follow me, to be rooted in my word, and to be filled with my spirit, and to journey together. And that, that began a, uh, a seven-year surrender for me, to actually journey into some places that were very difficult, and to learn to live at the foot of the cross, and say, Lord, I surrender to you. I want you in my life. And Glenn, you said something very powerful 
a couple of years ago, you said you don't know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And I found myself at that place. And then I discovered his power and his presence in a way that I'd never discovered before. And as I said, we moved to Kelowna 20 years ago. When we arrived, uh, we started a business. I used to work in the National Hockey League, and I started a sports marketing agency here. We had a niche where we provided revenue-generating and entertaining game day promotions to pro and semi-pro sports teams. So I was selling into the NBA and the NHL, and we did 12 or 13 different pro and semi-pro leagues. And then we had a full-service marketing agency, uh, and it grew very fast, very rapidly. At one point in time, we were Profit Magazine ranked us as one of the fastest-growing companies in Canada. We grew at 800% in a five-year period, running hard with two little boys, trying to run the household, trying to grow the business, working hard to do that. And there came a point, it was busy, busy, pedal to the metal. However, we knew that we had to be rooted in Jesus because he was all we needed. And we believed that he'd invited us on this business journey. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm, I'm not a pastor, I'm just a guy in the church. Uh, so I've been in the marketplace, but I believe that I am in full-time ministry, as all of us are. Because full-time ministry isn't a position, it's an attitude. And Jesus never called any of us to give him part of our life. He called every one of us to give him our whole life. So that means we're all called to be full-time ambassadors for God's purposes on earth as they are in heaven. And we were endeavoring to do that in the marketplace, in the business community. And at one point in our journey, we, uh, we had moved to Kelowna. I'd launched the business. And I was working hard in the spare bedroom of our home to, to uh, get things rolling in Kelowna because we didn't know anybody and Anne called me for dinner. She said, honey, it's time for dinner. And my first thought was, I, I can't have dinner. I'm not done. And the Lord whispered to me and he said, you will never be done. You need to learn to just stop. And this is a huge lesson. Because everything in our life will keep demanding, keep demanding, keep demanding. We will never be done. And when you're an entrepreneur, you're never done because there's always more to do. And we need to learn, no matter what stage in life we're at, to simply stop. And that's the first point of my three. The three keys to living in peace. One is learning to just stop. Two is meditating on the truth. And three is the prince of peace. So just stop. There I was knowing I've got more to do, Anne says it's time for dinner. And I think I can't stop. And the Lord says, you need to learn to just stop because you'll never be done. And that was a profound truth that we began to build our lives on. What do we need to stop for? And of course, the scripture, Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. We need to choose to stop to be still, to understand that He is God. And we can trust Him in the midst of whatever it is we're facing. So there are a few things we did. One, we agreed we would have dinner every night at about 6 o'clock. That I would be home at around 6 o'clock to eat dinner as a family. That was one of the ways we stopped. On the weekends, I would stop and we would do family time. Sunday nights, I would prep for the week. 
as Anne would. Anne is at the University of British Columbia. She teaches teachers. So she's got a huge amount of responsibility that she carries as well. We would stop for holidays. We would stop for date nights. We would stop for personal time. And spouses, we can do that with our spouse and say, Honey, you need some time alone. Don't worry, I got the kids. Go. Go get a cup of tea somewhere. Go get a soy chai latte, no water, wherever. And just unstring your bow. Our lives are like a bow and arrow. And we can't live with that bow strung tightly all the time. We've got to learn to unstring the bow. And just stop. And as part of that, this other scripture, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. For it's the wellspring of life. And we need to be able to, because our hearts are the thing that come under attack every day. The stresses, the strains, the tension, the pressure, all of that, the worries, the anxiety, the fear. It's our heart where we feel that deep in the essence of who we are. And we need to know what refreshes our heart. And there's a practical component to that. And there's a a spiritual component to it. And the practical component, for example, for me, what makes my heart come alive is boating. That first screen, the slide that we saw, I love being on the water. I just come alive when I'm on the water. It refreshes my heart. Being up a mountain, I love being up mountains. That refreshes my heart. Beautiful worship music, just engaging and listening and participating, refreshes my heart. Being in warm spaces, my office at home, I've decorated in a steampunk theme with beautiful leathers, and it's just like, oh, I love being in this place. You know, it's understanding what makes our heart come alive. And Anne's heart comes alive differently. And one of the things we did, I said, honey, what makes your heart come alive? What do you love? And learn to help create those opportunities for each other to get refreshing, that our hearts, we're guarding our hearts. So this first point is very practical. Learn to just stop, be still, unstring your bow, unplug, create some alone time, create some time where you can refresh. And in the midst of that, also understand what makes my heart come alive and choosing to do that. And if you don't know what makes your heart come alive, figure it out, go on a journey. Say, okay, Lord, help me to understand this. He knows what he's put in your heart. So first point, just stop. Second point, meditate on the truth. We, for a two-year period when our boys were 12 and 13, we took them out of school, we homeschooled them, and we did global travel. I still had my business. So we were running the business. We'd be away for a month at a time. We'd come home. Then we'd go away for a couple weeks at a time. We'd come home. So it was a pretty full two-year period. We went to numerous countries around the world. We, had, we wanted the boys to experience the glory of God's creation. We wanted them to experience uh, different religions, different cultures, different languages. We wanted them to see the church around the world, and we wanted them to see need around the world. But at one point, we're in Costa Rica, and we're in the rainforest, and we, we were told about this tree called the strangler fig by a biologist. And it's the craziest tree you've ever seen. It's a massive rainforest tree, but the trunk of the tree is like latticework. It's all hollow. And the boys actually climbed in the tree and started climbing up the tree from the inside. And he said, this is how the strangler fig works. The strangler fig deposits a seed in the canopy of a healthy rainforest tree. 
And then that seed begins to send shoots out down into the nutrient-rich soil at the base of the tree. And those shoots begin to wrap around the healthy rainforest tree. And then it sends up foliage to cut off sunlight from the tree. And that strangler fig chokes the tree to death. And the healthy tree dies. And what's left is a hollow representation of that tree's former glory. And as he's describing this, I'm going, that's demonic. Like, that's evil. Totally. I can't believe that. And then the Lord whispers to me and he says, this is the strategy of the enemy in the hearts of men and women. He deposits lies that are sent to steal, kill, and destroy us. And if we don't call the lie out and say, no, 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 that's not true, it begins to take root in our hearts and it chokes the life of God out of us. So the second critically important key to living in the peace of God is we've got to meditate on the truth. Because if we're trapped in a world of lies, we won't find peace anywhere. You could be laying on the beach in Kihei, chilling, drinking pina coladas, and you're at war on the inside. Because you don't have the truth that sets us free. So to just stop and unplug is one thing, but now we've got to get the truth in our lives, in our hearts. Joshua 1 verse 8 says, Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but be careful to meditate on it day and night so that you can do according to everything that's written in it. And then you will have, you will prosper and you will have good success. So the truth of the Word of God is the foundation for us to getting a hold of all that God has for us. All the peace, the hope, the joy, the life that He has for us. So we need to dwell in the truth. And here's how important it is. Jesus says, John 8, 32, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And then he says, but then he, the spirit of truth, will come and guide you into all truth. That to me says truth is massively important because we're trapped in a world of lies. There is a spiritual realm that we live in, that we've got an enemy who's whispering lies all the time. Who do you think you are? You don't matter. You don't make a difference. You don't contribute. This doesn't apply to you. This is for people who are better people than you. You know what? You can never make a difference. Don't think that you can become anything more than you are. You're nothing but a loser, etc., etc. Can't live in peace when we believe those lies. And they're lies. Jesus says, I'm the truth. And I'm going to send the spirit of truth to guide you in truth. And when you know the truth, the truth is going to set you free. And we need to meditate on the truth. We need to meditate in the truth to discover the peace of God. So the third point, our prince of peace. As I said, we had a marketing agency We'd grown, we'd moved into bigger offices, much bigger offices. Our team had grown. And we probably tripled our overhead. This was in 2007-ish. 
and our majority of clients were real estate developers. And if any of you know 2008, the credit crisis, real estate development stopped. 95% of our work was with real estate developers. Our revenues dropped by 54% in one year. Less than one year. And that was with me going out and getting other work. Crash and burn. And I remember in the mornings being so trapped in worry and anxiety. It felt like there was a 300-pound gorilla on my chest. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to go back to the office. I didn't want to have to face the carnage that we were experiencing. It was the most oppressive, anxious-ridden experience that I've ever had in my life. And how I got free was up at Knox Mountain, alone in the car, crying out to the Prince of Peace. Jesus, I, I don't know what to do. What are you saying? How are you leading? What's help? Help! You ever play the, pray the four-letter prayer? Help! Like, help, Lord. I, 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 I just don't know what to do. And he said to me, he took me to Scripture at the beginning of James that says, hey, if you lack wisdom, ask for it. But if you doubt, don't think you're going to get it. Because if you doubt, you won't receive. And then he said this to me. You have a choice. You can live in fear or faith. And that is the issue of life. Will I live in faith in the truth of who Jesus says He is and His Word? Or will I live in fear and believe the lie? And it's the Prince of Peace that brings the peace in our life. And I had a profound encounter. Jeremiah 2.13, the Lord says, I hold these two things against my people. They've forsaken me, the wellspring of life, and they've dug their own cisterns that can't hold water. And what he's saying is, you don't come to me for your life. You try to make it happen on your own. Whatever it is, you're trying to find life, hope, peace, strength, somewhere else other than me, but we're only going to find it in him. John 7, 38, Jesus said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, streams of living water will come from within. And then John 15, 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give it to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. I am the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of His government and His peace, there will be no end. The only place we really find peace is in the Prince of Peace. We can try to restructure our lives take all the holidays we want but if we don't understand the truth that sets us free and are communing with the prince of peace every day every moment we miss his peace and he's here he's here to connect and commune with us he's here to bring his peace one of the things that I endeavor to do 
I wish I could say every morning, most mornings. I don't book any appointments before 9.30. And right now, my life, we transitioned out of the agencies seven years ago. And now I work with leaders. Uh, I work with CEOs, entrepreneurs, and executives, part of a, a national leadership organization. So I lead groups of leaders. We do two-hour one-to-ones. There's 31 different leaders I'm working with. I also speak and write on wholehearted leadership, so I travel around doing keynotes and write on leadership. And then uh, five years ago, launched a men's ministry called Wholehearted Men. And we do conferences for men across Canada. We've got five different conferences that we do. And now I'm on the board of Multiply that was formerly MB Mission and C to C. It's now Multiply. And I'm launching something called Multiply Marketplace Ministry where we're trying to equip marketplace people to understand that we're all called as full-time ministers. So my life is full and it could demand everything from me. I travel an average of 35 trips every year out of 52 weeks. So my life is full and I need to stay connected with the Prince of Peace. So most mornings, I will take time just to be still, to saturate myself in the truth, and to commune with Jesus, and then to begin to walk with Him throughout the day. I had a mentor say to me, every morning this is what I do. I lay in my bed, and I say, Lord, I give you my life again today. I ask that you would give me your life. And Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. And then he said, my one job every day is simply to stay connected with the Holy Spirit. The Prince of Peace. So we're going to do something a little different to finish. I want to play a song for you. And the song is called Peace. It comes out of New Zealand. There's a pastor we know in New Zealand and his church has recorded this worship album. And it's uh, the latter part of the song that we won't be playing has Maori in it. They've been very engaged in connecting and reconciling with the Maori people. And the Maori title is Afiomai Agagapaia, which means Come Holy Spirit. So we're just going to do this. I'm going to play the song, have some scriptures that are just scrolling up on the screen, and I'm just going to ask Jesus, the Prince of Peace, to come and be with us. For the Holy Spirit to come and be with us and bring His peace. So I would invite you to just open up your hearts. Just sit where you are. If you want to close your eyes, close your eyes. If you want to read the Scriptures that will come up, feel free to do that. But I'd invite you simply to open your heart and say, Prince of Peace. I want your peace in my life. Would you touch my heart this morning? Are you willing to do that with me this morning? Are those nodding heads? Let's do this. True. Lord, we love you. Prince of Peace, would you come now? And would you touch our hearts? You are the source of our peace.
Jesus, thank you that you are our Prince of Peace. Thank you that you touch our hearts like you have now. We thank you that you equip us in truth to still the battle in our hearts. And we thank you that you empower us to know you to follow you, to love you, and to receive your love. We invite you to continue to work in us.
we love you. Your name, Amen. Thank you. We would love to, if you want to pray, if you don't know the Prince of Peace, 